0: remember what you said. you return that I might live in my father's house.
1: Although they had all freedom, that is Adam and Eve, had all freedom and rule over the earth, they needed to know and realize that they were still God's Creatures that God had created them, and the gift that had been given to them of dominion over all things was given by God Himself, and that in all of their ways, because of that, they were responsible to Him. They needed to know that. Listen, we need to know that.
0: Most of us have misplaced a sense of independence. We like to think that we answer to no one, But that isn't the case, and it wasn't the case for Adam and Eve either. As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, all of us will be held accountable to God. Your choices in this life can either be driven by a desire to serve self, other people, or God. When you choose to leave God out of it, ignoring His existence and sovereignty, you'll find little reason to serve anyone but yourself. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 3 as he begins his message, Temptation and the Fall of Man.
1: Genesis chapter three, and our text is found in verses one through six. We're going to be talking about the nature of sin and how Satan attacks God's people. We're going to talk about the different strategies strategies that he uses to accomplish that work, and then we're also going to talk about, lastly, how powerlessly uh, how powerless we uh, that is apart from Christ we are to walk in the way of righteousness, okay? So chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, that is Eve, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Okay, in just a moment, we're gonna talk about talking serpents or talking snakes. So hold on to that idea. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and... This chapter has actually been under attack and has been subject to controversy because of that fact. I mean, come on. You kidding me? Serpents, snakes talking? You know, those things only happen in fables, in fantasies. And, uh, but we're going to address that question in just a moment. But anyway, let's go on. We'll come back to that. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband, that would be Adam, with her, and they both ate. Now, think about this. When God placed the first man, Adam, the first woman, Eve, in the Garden of Eden, it was his plan for them to have dominion over all he had created. In fact, he instructed them, after he had created the physical universe, he said, go and subdue it. In other words, enjoy it. Go back to chapter 1. We've already talked about this. Notice in verse 28, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, then God blessed them. God said to them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So all of what God had created in the physical universe was for the benefit of mankind the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve. It was all theirs to enjoy, to subdue, to have dominion over it. Now, with that said, that brings us to our first point. If you're taking notes, write this down. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we were first introduced to this tree in chapter two in verse 17. Let's quickly go back there. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, You shall surely die. Okay, so think about this now. God had placed Adam and Eve there in the garden. He had created the physical universe. They were to have, uh, this was his plan. They were to have dominion over all things, all of the things that he had created. It was all for their enjoyment. There was no restrictions on how they were to do it, how they were to go about subduing it, how they were to go about having dominion over it, how they were to go about enjoying it except in the matter of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were not to eat thereof. Now, this tree, I got to tell you, has been the source of a lot of speculation and confusion. So let's try to answer the question, what then does the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there in the garden, what does that tree represent? What does that tree Symbolize? And I think we've already sort of touched on this uh, question in one of our previous messages. But anyway, uh, for the benefit of those who, of you who weren't uh, here, although they had all freedom, that is Adam and Eve, had all freedom and rule over the earth, they needed to know and realize that they were still God's creatures, that God had created them. And the gift that had been given to them of dominion over all things, was given by God himself. And that in all of their ways, because of that, they were responsible to him. They needed to know that. Listen, we need to know that. We, likewise, are responsible unto God, even as Adam and Eve were responsible unto God. You know, in the book of Acts, in chapter 17, and verse 25, when Paul is in Athens, and he goes to the, uh, uh, the meeting place, where uh, the poets would gather and the philosophers would gather and they would debate the issues of, of life. And, and uh, he's declaring unto them the unknown God. There were so many gods. There were so many statues, uh, you know, just riddled throughout the, the city of all of the gods that the Athenians, that the Greeks had worshipped. And then on one particular uh, site, they had so many gods, they couldn't even name all of them. And so uh, the plaque had said, unto the unknown God. And so Paul seizes upon that opportunity at this great gathering to declare unto them the unknown God, that is the God that obviously they didn't know. And in describing the unknown God, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 25, Paul reminds the Athenians that he, that is God, gives all uh, to us life, breath, and all things. And thus we are responsible unto it. Listen, you wouldn't even be able to draw your next breath if it wasn't for God. And so the idea there is that we all are responsible. We are God's creations. We are God's created beings. And therefore we are responsible unto him. And, and I think, you know, it would serve us well to always keep that uh, in front of us. We'll get, we have to give an account that we are accountable unto him. We are responsible unto him. One day we're going to stand before him and we're going to have to give that account. Now, let me raise this question. How long do you think it was, uh, how long did Adam and Eve live in the garden before they actually disobeyed the Lord and, in fact, uh, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? How long do you think? A couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years? Well, we're not actually given the answer to that question, but I suspect, knowing something about human nature, my guess was it's not all that long, really, right? Uh, Probably just uh, right after God had instructed them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, at the same time, I'm sure that the devil heard God's warning about this tree and then immediately went to work. And then that brings us to our second point, and that is the devil's devices. You know, the Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians in chapter 2, and verse 11, that we're not ignorant of the devices of Satan. Now, let's go back to verse 1. Let's read verse 1 again. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree... Of the garden. Okay, first of all, talking snakes, huh? Okay, we probably need to address that question. But first of all, I think we need to address the subject of the identity of this serpent. Who is this serpent? And I believe, on the basis of other verses of Scripture, we can come to the conclusion that the serpent is none other than the devil himself. And I'll give you a cross reference for this. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, in verse uh, nine, uh, in uh, identifying him, that is the serpent there in Revelation chapter twelve and verse nine. Maybe I should read it for you, or if you'd like, you can turn there. But let me set this up for you. Uh, you know, even up into the present time, Satan has access before the throne of God. And uh, remember, in the book of Job, when the angels of God were appearing before God, were presenting themselves before God. And then uh, amongst those who were presenting themselves before God was none other than Satan, none other than Lucifer, the anointed cherub of God at one time. That's the way he's recommended to us and described for us in the book of Ezekiel. We'll get back to that in, in just a moment. So even up until the present time, I want you to understand that Satan actually has access to God in heaven before the throne. But during the period known as the seven years of tribulation, according to the book of Revelation, chapter 12, he's thrown out from the uh, presence of God and no longer has that capacity to appear before him. And so uh, as that whole thing is playing out there in the book of Revelation, there in chapter 12, in verse 9, we read, so the great dragon, and that's just another way, and in some other places in the Bible he's described in that way uh, for us as well. So the great dragon was cast out, that is from the presence of God, that serpent of old, you see that? That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and the angels were cast out uh, with him. You know, it's been suggested that a third part of all of the angels that God had created joined forces together with Satan and they also at this time are cast out before the presence of God. So anyway, according to Revelation chapter 12, let's go back now to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. The serpent, the devil being mentioned there as the serpent, gives us the right to identify him as Satan. That is the ancient adversary of God. Okay? And also, notice the way that he is uh, depicted for us there. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Now, he was one of the highest orders of angelical beings that God had created. In fact, we are uh, told that he was the anointed cherub, as I had already uh, mentioned. He was a cherubim. He was of that class of uh, angels that God had created. And if you go to Ezekiel chapter 28 in verse 15, just sometime on your own, we don't have time to really get into this, nor are we really all that interested in him anyway, but we are told that he was perfect in all of his ways. And that would include his being perfect in all wisdom. Again, one of the highest orders of, of uh, angelic beings that God had created in their orders, the archangels, the cherubs, the seraphims, and so on and so forth. And uh, he had a very high position uh, there uh, in god 's kingdom at that uh, particular uh, time, perfect in all of his ways okay so that 's who we 're referring to so the first thing that we need to do was to establish that the ser- the serpent is no uh, in fact is the devil himself now the idea the, uh, the let 's address the subject of the talking snake now right and the snake is always depicted as like kind of slithering around on the tree, right? And, and uh, you know, hissing and talking to Eve and trying to entice her to, you know, to disobey God's uh law concerning the tree of the knowledge of good of good and evil. But the idea that our text presents us with a talking snake is based upon an inaccurate reading of this passage. Because it does not say that Eve was tempted by a talking serpent. You see, the creature that tempted Eve became a serpent. Notice in verse 14, let's jump ahead, and we'll get to this in our next study in more detail. But notice in verse 14, the curse is pronounced upon Satan, who is then turned into a serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So therefore, the creature that tempted Eve, I believe it was none other than Satan. He was standing up on his own two feet, okay? He wasn't at that time when he tempted uh, Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was not a serpent. So the creature that tempted Eve became a serpent, as a result of God's judgment upon him, and then he went slithering away into the bushes to the intense horror of Adam and Eve, who probably was wondering if God's just judgment on the serpent might be their own, that they might uh, experience the same fate as did the serpent or did uh, Satan. So anyway, I I hope that may clarify, or maybe maybe I shouldn't even, maybe this has only confused you more than than, uh, even before. Anyway, I believe it was a part of the curse that was placed upon him. So anyway, with that said, let's go on now into our second point, and that is the devil's devices. Now, I want you to notice this was one of the ways that he deceived and influenced Eve in the wrong way. In verse 6, Notice what he said. He says, has God said? And by the way, I want you to think about it. You know, the devices of the devil are really not all that many. And they haven't changed right from the very beginning of time. So this is why we should be extremely intensely interested in the instruction here that's recorded for us in this text of Scripture. Because what he did to accomplish that work in Eve, it's the same way that he'll seek to accomplish it through you, and in you, okay? So we need to be very aware of that. Okay, so the first thing he suggests, has God said? And in asking that question, if you think about it, he was casting doubt upon God's word, and that's always one of his devices. You know, you read a text of scripture, you'll hear uh, a message go across the pulpit on a Sunday morning, or in any of our services, and he'll come along and begin to whisper in your ear and place doubt in, in your ear. And, and uh, did God really say that? Did he really mean that? Suggesting God's word cannot be trusted. And that's exactly what he's doing here with Eve. And notice the exact words of the devil there in verse one. He says, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, did God say that? No. No. You see, this is another device of his. He takes the word of God. He adds to it, subtracts to it, perverts it, right? Uh, according to wh- whatever way he wants to attack you. He changes. He alters. He perverts God's invitations to enjoy all of what he had provided with the one exception. Remember, it was all for the benefit of mankind, you see. You know, the, the, another idea here is that God is withholding something good from you. And that's something that we play into. Uh, It's another one of his devices. You know, God doesn't want you to have fun. God doesn't want you to have a good time. The truth of the matter is God wants you to be blessed. He wants your life to be full. He wants your life to be rich. Jesus himself said in the New Testament, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. But we perceive God as withholding good things from us. Like he doesn't want us to have any fun, right? That's not the God that I know. That's not the God that I serve you know, holding back something good from us. So anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, we're not ignorant of the devices of the devil. So the idea here, again, God doesn't want the best for his children. Now, also, initially, I want you to take note of this, Eve, and kudos to Eve, by the way, didn't agree with the devil's charge. In fact, she's actually in this conversation that's going on between her and the devil, if you think about it, she's actually defending God. Verses 2 and 3, because remember, he had perverted the word of God, the instruction of God. Because notice in verses 2 and 3, and the woman said to the serpent, no, no, wait a second, you got it wrong. We may eat, I, I just loosely paraphrased there, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Remember, he suggested they're not to eat of any of the trees, any of the fruit that is found on any of the trees there within the garden. And so she's actually defending God here in verses 2 and 3. But notice, he then goes on in our text of Scripture to aggressively pursue his course, putting Eve on the defensive. He's actually seeking to wear her down. And this is exactly what he does to us. He'll keep coming at us, keep coming at us, keep seeking to cast doubt within our minds, right? He's relentless. And so notice he replies that it's the devil with a denial in verses 4 and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, no, no, look, he didn't say you shall surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what's going on here? Well, once again, the integrity of God's word is under attack. Hey, listen, you know, God said it. This is is God's revealed revelation to man, the Bible. You can count on it. You can bank on it. You can be sure that if you adhere to it, your life will be rich and full and blessed. But if you choose to disobey or disregard the Word of God and go your own, own way, you're sowing to the flesh, and therefore you're going to reap corruption. You need, we need to understand that. We need to absolutely recognize this fact. So, again, the question that's being raised here by the devil, does God speak the truth? Can God be trusted? Can His Word be trusted? Can we place our trust in Him? You see, those are the things that were under attack by the devil. Now, that brings us to our third point. So those are just some of the devices that the the devil uses to alienate you from God, to separate you from God. Let's go on to our third point, and that is sin's nature. And there are three elements that I want to focus in on. Sin's nature. Three elements. Sadly, in verse 6, unfortunately, we read, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he did eat as well. In my
0: father's house There's a place for me In my father's house where I love be. oh, my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again because there's no better place to be than in my father's house with you.